right, we've got lucky caller number four, Marcus, on the line. If he answers this question, he wins a new car. Let's do this. Okay, for a new car, name the only actor to appear in... And now a message from our sponsor. With 24-7 support and quick and easy claims, Progressive protects what matters most. Progressive. Films all in the same year. Wait, sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. Three seconds, Marcus. Yeah, no, but there was an ad in the middle. He didn't answer. But I didn't hear anything. Oh, Marcus, you dropped it in the dirt. Progressive. There's never a bad time for great protection. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Storm, good ready this, you guys on tech, I am Eagle Falcon. We've got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> we, we do have a, have a lot to talk about today. It's actually kind of fascinating how COVID-19 has basically all but fallen out of the American news cycle completely. Almost no one talks about it it's actually kind of surprising with that being said though I do encourage everyone to still stay safe whether it's from a global pandemic or from the craziness that is the the protests going on in the United States. I'm not going to be talking about the the protests at all here, just because this is, in fact, still a tech podcast. And I, in fact, actually did talk about this a bit on an early bird briefing that I've been finding myself venturing more and more out of tech and talk about current events because 2020 is just an absolute insane lunatic year. Like, I don't think that's arguable anymore. This is the craziest year. At least in recent history. It's madness. But this is a tech podcast. You do come here listening for tech news, and that I will provide. Current events, of course, will cross over, like with our first topic... But I am going to be focusing more and more on tech, as I should, from the get-go. Especially since I'm one guy. I cannot possibly research enough to keep tabs on everything and talk about it on the level that a news podcast like this should talk about it. Someone in the chat says 2020 will be the year the Zoom returns. You know, funny enough, I, I, I know the person in the chat's just joking. But I will laugh. I will underline laugh if there is a Surface Mini launched, like a four-inch tablet that also has media plane functionalities to pair with the Zune earbuds. Or I'm not, not the Zune earbuds, the Surface earbuds and the Surface headphones. Because the Surface line now has a tablet, a tablet, a laptop, a laptop-tablet hybrid, a desktop, 
earbuds and earphones. Couldn't you see them making an iPod Touch competitor even though there is not a market for the iPod Touch and just be like, oh my god, the Zune is back. (gasps) I don't think that'd be a very smart move for Microsoft to do, but it would be hilarious. Not even, not even a phone. Just a, just a, just a micro tablet. I don't think Microsoft's gonna make a phone. I don't think they're gonna. Be, for crying out loud, the, their new folding thing is is running Android, or one of the two folding things is running Android. There is no way they're gonna make a phone. <laughs> there just, it, there just isn't. Now, if they do make a phone and make it run Android. Oh my god, that's right. They do have have that small little folding tablet. They do have that small folding tablet. It's going to be launching later this year. Somebody remind me. We need to call it the Zune. If for no other reason than just for the memes. It'll be amazing. All right, should we actually start the podcast? Maybe we should actually start the podcast. COVID-19 tracing apps are starting to launch over in Europe, but, but, but there is a critical flaw with them. The critical flaw being that some of these do not use that framework that Google and Apple were co-developing together. Which means that unless there unless there is a patch later on, these tracing apps will not be able to communicate with each other. What on earth are you talking about? All right, let me explain. What a COVID-19 tracing app is, is an application that you, as the user of your phone, must download. You don't have to, but if you want to be part of this, you have to download it. All right. What it does is that it will ping out to other phones and say you've been in contact with them. It'll do this all automatically, okay? In addition, what it will do is that if you test positive for COVID, and by COVID I mean COVID-19, I'm sure eventually we're going to get a COVID-20, but I digress. And then we'll let any, then once you tell the app that you have in fact tested positive for COVID, it will then ping out to everyone you've been in contact with within the last two weeks and say, you have potentially been exposed to COVID-19. Go get tested. So that's the basic concept of these contact tracing apps. For a basic for basic math, let's pretend for a second you have In a sample size, a third of people 
decide not to install this. I care about my privacy. I'll take my I'll take my chances w- without this kind of information. All right, a third opts out. All right, and the remaining two thirds are like, oh, I should get this. Well, if one third downloads one of these third party ones, and the other third download ones that are powered by the Apple and Google framework. That means you only have a one in three chance of the whole concept of contact tracing to even work in the first place. And that's assuming that two thirds of a sample size want to go into this. I think that's actually optimistic. With privacy being pretty much the fad tech topic of the year, you know, aside from absolute insanity being the fad topic of 2020, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to opt into this contact tracing thing. And the fact that you now have apps that can't even communicate to each other, the the core concept is just going to fall apart. Hopefully this glaring flaw is taken care of soon, but it's going to require the app developers of these to, in fact, partner up, collaborate, and make sure that they all talk together. I'm actually curious. Quick sample size in the chat of the couple of people who are here live like for those who are never here live by the way if you listen to this podcast in podcast form we do stream the recording of this podcast live every sunday i'd say at noon but man i have not hit a deadline on the weekend in like months it's kind of funny how bad i am with deadlines But how many people in chat actually would download a contact tracing app? I personally know I wouldn't, but I'm a weird case where because of my work, I am screened on an almost daily basis for COVID-19. So far, all we got are no's. But then we only have one person who said anything yet, so... We have two no's. Yeah, I don't see... I mean, granted, we have the world's smallest sample size here in our chat right now, but... Yikes. No's across the board. Here's something, though, that is absolutely fascinating, and I was going to include this in kind of one of the later topics, but it felt nice just to get all the COVID topics next to each other. Researchers say that the Aura Ring, spelled O-U-R-A, which I'm going to assume is pronounced Aura, 
And if I have mispronounced it, too bad. But this smart ring is able to predict COVID-19 symptoms three days before you actually show them with just over 90% accuracy. I'm not going to lie. That is absolutely fascinating and very creepy, but very, very fascinating. It's kind of funny how, can you think of a single sort of tech breakthrough when it comes to health where that kind of phrase doesn't apply? This watch can can tell if your blood sugar is too, too low by monitoring it. Wow, that's really cool and really creepy. Stop stalking me, watch. <laughs> Maybe that's why the smartwatch isn't as popular. Granted, I only use my smartwatch just to view text messages while I'm driving because people can't help but text me important things while I drive. I know that's getting off topic, but it still ticks me off. My former boss would do that all the time, and that was the sole reason I went and got a Pebble watch like a year or two after it was after it first hit the stores. Because he'd be like, oh, hey, while you're on your way to location X, can you swing by location Y along the way? Text message hits literally two blocks before I'm passing location Y. And it's, ha- and it's not like, oh, it's happened like one or two times. It was on a weekly basis. This sort of thing happened, and it drove me nuts. It's funny, when you think of smartwatches or smart wearables, you think they solely exist for health reasons, like this ring that can predict predict COVID-19 symptoms. A lot of us got it it just so that we could just glance down when in situations where it's dangerous to pull out your phone to see messages like that. And I can already hear a bunch of you typing away angrily, sending an email, you shouldn't be looking at your watch while you're driving, dirty, dirty, dirt. It's literally... I can bring my watch up to my field of view while driving and drive safely. I know what I'm doing. Trust me. Professional driver. Even though my career in driving cars and video games drastically says otherwise. Maybe that's the real reason why I'm never going to play Euro Truck Simulator. It is a ter- Can you imagine trying to drive something like that on a keyboard? Ugh. Virtually millions will die. Virtually. Let's actually shift gears like pretty radically. Here's a headline that surprises literally no one. 
Global smartphone sales plummet 20% in quarter one, all thanks to COVID-19. No! Really? Wow, what are the odds? Now, you might be thinking, Eagle, this is the biggest no-brainer headline in all of existence. Why on earth are you talking about it? I'm talking about it because it is going to be the excuse that phone manufacturers everywhere are going to make for themselves. No, we're not making phones too expensive. It's COVID-19 that's the problem. Yeah, we don't have to go ahead and try to figure out ways to make phones cheaper and more affordable. We can continue to just make small minor upgrades and charge $400 more and push normal mainstream phones closer and closer to the $2,000 mark. It's all that COVID-19. It's not the fact that no one wants a $1,500 phone. Now, yes, the pandemic hitting, forcing millions of people out of their jobs, ending hundreds of thousands of businesses, is a huge factor in people's spending habits. However, when it comes to the smartphone market, the fact that the mainstream phones continue to push features that no one wants, no one wants a fragile display that can permanently have damage caused to it by your fingernail that costs... $1,500. No one wants that. People in the chat tell me constantly over and over and over again. I refuse to buy a phone unless it has a headphone jack. I don't blame them. So, of course, they're going out of their way to make sure their phones last longer. In addition, phones are much, much more durable now. Someone in the chat just just made that say. That same same mark. There's no longer the the cheap plastic phones. We're now using higher end, more durable temper Gorilla Glass. My phone in particular, it's glass on glass, almost completely scratch proof. Unless I really, really go out and punish it, just to make things even even better, I make sure I got a screen protector protector on there, just to be on the safe side. And on top of that, I've got mine in in a freaking otter box, so I can just go, just drop it all day with no, with, well, still fear, but you get the idea. It's for these reasons we are going out of our ways as consumers to make it so we don't have to go ahead and get... the new Samsung Note 20 when it comes out. That's going to feature no headphone jack and it's going to feature a slightly better camera 
and this, that, and the other thing. That's just the reality. I went ahead and just did this minor demonstration of my phone, and now the rubber flaps on my OtterBox are... Uh, are not lining up properly, and I'm actually really distracted trying to get it back into place. Man, I love OtterBox, but holy cow, you do not want to take it out of the case if you can avoid it. I'm trying to think, how long am I actually going to have this phone? I probably have this phone for a long, long time. And I really do hope that the headphone jack does make a reappearance. Even though I basically don't use the headphone jack on my phone. Except for like. Actually no. There was one moment I actually did very much use the headphone jack on my phone recently. And that was trying to. Capture a uh, scam caller. Into my mixer. That was the last time I used my headphone jack. But at the same time, the fact that it is like at an analog level, that kind of audio capture is very, very attractive. Now, that being said, this TechCrunch article also does talk about how Apple, their purchasing numbers only declined 8%. As well as to everyone else, which was like 22%, 27%, You want to know why Apple dropped so little? Apple is forcing their phones to become obsolete. So here's a here's a fun one for you. Recently, a lot of retailers that are seeing lower sales of certain Apple peripherals, in this case, the Apple Watch, they're trying to sell them on the cheap. In fact, one one retailer out here was selling them for 50% off. Someone I know went, went and took advantage of this deal. Guess what they found out? Their iPhone 6 cannot support the newer Apple Watch, despite the fact the newer Apple Watch compared to his old one didn't have all that many new features he really just wanted it for the built in cellular modem so that if he forgot his phone he could still accept calls on the watch despite the fact the phone is still forgotten at home not supported on an older inferior iPhone that still has the archaic headphone jack. So they're forced to upgrade. 
and buy an iPhone at the full retail price. With contract discounts and blah, 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 blah. But but the thing is that there was no direct discount on the phone itself. Any sort of discounts and whatnot were through the carrier. You want to talk about how... How Android has forced obsolescence through various this, that's, and the other things. Man, Apple is the king of forced obsolescence, and they do it so subtly that most don't even notice. And you got to give them props for that. In odd news, there is apparently a wallpaper glitch out on Android right now that on certain wallpapers, it can brick your phone. What? So I don't know the specifics. But basically, for whatever reason, certain wallpapers will just cause the phone to go into a boot loop on Android. Fixes are, of course, being worked on right now. There might even be an update for it now. But of course, because Android works in very strange ways... It's going to be a while before you get it. Needless to say, if you have a wallpaper right now, it might be the best idea not to change your wallpaper to a cool picture someone sends you. And the best part is that this works on even older phones as well. Wonderful. Yay, let's talk about Apple. Even though we already kind of like accidentally talked about Apple as I got on a little iPhone rant. Apple has very blatantly doubled the price of its RAM upgrades on the base MacBook Pro. To go from 8 gigabytes of RAM, which, by the way, on a MacBook Pro is not the wisest decision, especially since, in case you didn't know, the RAM is soldered on the motherboard! There is no path for upgrading anything on the MacBook Pro down the road. RAM is soldered. SSD is soldered. CPU is soldered. GPU is... <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no GPU in the MacBook Pro. <laughs> you thought there was a GPU in there. That's adorable. <laughs> you thought in your professional laptop you'd get a discrete GPU. 
<laughs> nah, welcome to Apple. You only you're only allowed to get a professional GPU if you buy the 15 inch. Uh And yes, that's also soldered on the board. But basically without offering any reason, Apple doubled the base RAM upgrade from 8 gigs to 16 gigs from $100 to $200. And you have no choice but to accept that if you're going down the Apple ecosystem because, as I just said, it's all soldered on. The only way to upgrade is an entire motherboard swap, which, by the way, deletes all your data because the data's soldered on the board, too. And then as Lewis Rossman from RossmanGroup.com will rant on for hours on end, you can't just go take a soldering iron, unsolder, and re-solder it on different chips because there's also a T2 security chip on the board on top of that, which is then going to check for continuity, and if it detects anything, it bricks your entire board. Now, realistically, at the same time, I'm willing to bet Apple doubled the price because they have a problem in their supply chain due to COVID-19. There is a ton of tech right now that is in low supply, mostly because, well, the current stocks have all started to run out. The lack of supply from when factories in China were shut down are starting to hit. However, at the same time, Factories are in full production trying to meet demand again, but it's very difficult to ship it all out right now because a lot of the shipping space on shipping boats and air freight is taken up with supplies battling the global pandemic. So I'm willing to bet that that has more to do with it than just Apple being Apple. However, if Apple was in fact being Apple and doubling their price because Apple, well, I would not be surprised at all. But that being said, at the same time, if you don't need Mac OS, there is no reason to buy a Mac. I still stand by this. The only reason to buy a Mac nowadays is if you need Mac OS. That's it. Period. All right, let, let's shift gears to to some rather interesting news. So there were a ton of iPhone rumors floating around. Some of these actually even leaked into the quote-unquote mainstream press. These rumors were actually fairly omnipresent to a degree. If you haven't heard about it, well, I don't blame you. But basically, here's what we are expecting. 
We are expecting these new iPhones to be called the iPhone 12. According to these, and I want to stress, these are according to these rumors. This is all according to a supposed leak. I want to stress that. I'm going to list off what the leak is and then offer my thoughts afterwards. Before anyone jumps ahead of themselves and starts emailing things, all right? We are expecting the next phone iPhones to be called the iPhone 12. We are expected to see four new iPhones. They are going to supposedly feature a new physical design, which is supposedly very reminiscent of the iPhone 5 with very sharp corners. I mean, not sharp like, ow, that hurt, but, you know, right now they're very rounded. We're expecting the new iPhone to return to flat edges. We are expecting screen sizes of 5.4 inches, 6.1 inches, and 6.7 inches. We are expecting to see triple lenses and 3D cameras. All of them will have OLED displays. They're going to feature a new processor. They're going to feature 5G and they're going to start at 649 that is what we're hearing the higher end models which were expecting to be called iPhone 12 Pro will have a higher refresh screen and it's going to be called Pro Motion. The lower iPhones are going to feature dual camera lenses. The higher end ones are going to feature triple lenses and the supposed 3D camera. You get the idea. So, my thoughts. This leak comes off more to me as a wish list rather than what Apple is going to realistically make. A couple of things stand out to me. So first off, the 3D camera. I don't see Apple buying in to 3D cameras. I just don't. I do see Apple buying into, say, a time of flight sensor. They already included one in their iPad Pro. That could be something that was lost in translation, including LiDAR in the camera array. But I don't see 
all the phones featuring OLED. I just don't. Apple loves their LCD way too much. And especially to try and push the price down to start at 650 they're not going to pull that off with OLED. 5G, I could see that on the Pro models. I don't see it on the lower-end ones, especially if they're going to try and hit that 650 price point. And then probably the biggest thing, the biggest thing here, I don't think they're going to push 6.7 inches. I just don't. What's the size of the, of the, um, of the iPad mini? What is that sitting at? iPad mini. Oh, that is 7.9 now. Okay. Uh, I could have swore the iPad mini was sitting at like 7.1. It actually isn't. It's at 7.9. Maybe then. Okay, the 6.7 inches, that seems more feasible now, the more I think about it. But all OLED displays, I don't buy it. The 3D camera, I don't buy it. 649? I don't see it. I don't know how you could be Apple and try to paint the mystique image that you are a premium brand that you are sleek high end a luxury brand and then push the starting price of your brand new phone to start at 650 It, it's it, this just doesn't smell right to me. So I would take this with a grain of salt or maybe a whole bowl of it. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I've got some very interesting Google news for you, including a lawsuit. Oh boy. Modern leaders. It's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We're not sponsored by EA, but as a long fan of the Command and Conquer series, I, I do feel that I should let you know if you too were a long fan of the Command and Conquer series, apparently 
Well, not apparently, but the um, a remastered collection of original Command and Conquer and Red Alert One are now available on Steam. Apparently, it's pretty good. I don't know. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'll be talking about it in the the future. TM Google is in a five billion dollar lawsuit. For tracking people while they are using private mode. Oh boy. This gonna be good. So first off, you notice you notice right off the bat that the article that I'm going from is not a tech outlet. It's in fact the BBC. And you can already tell that the writer of the article is not tech savvy because they use the word private mode. There is no private mode with Google. There is incognito mode that blocks certain kinds of tracking, but it never puts itself out as the end all be all of privacy at all in any way, shape or form. And, well, it was discovered that, oh, hey, by the way, Google is, in fact, Google. And Google will Google, no matter how much you use Google, to incognito Google while you Google, Google, Google. I believe I said on the early bird briefing that I talked about this, that there is about a 70% chance that this lawsuit goes literally nowhere and a 30% chance that this goes somewhere but if it does go somewhere it is going to be big that being said though it's probably not going to go anywhere Google has removed several Remove China app from the Play Store. Actually, no, I'm I'm sorry. It's just one app. It's just a poorly named app. The name of the app is Remove China Apps. It is apparently an app that is pushed in India to remove Chinese apps. So, why was it moved? It was the remove apps was removed from the app store because it supposedly broke the Google Play Store's deceptive behavior policy. You want to know why I think it was removed? I think it was removed because it just automatically alters files on your phone. Do you let's pretend that you had a platform like let's pretend you were in charge of the Google Play Store. All right, this this is your playground, this is your store. 
you are in charge of Android. Would you want an app on there that would just, with the press of a button, radically rip out a number of apps that that app deemed unwanted? No. Of course not. Allowing this app to exist would set a very, a really bad precedent that you can just make apps that uninstall other apps. Imagine if Facebook just looked at the Remove China Apps app and just made it so Facebook would automatically remove all other social media from your phone. Someone in chat is right now memeing about how Google is is pro-China Communist Party because of the YouTube kerfuffle that it was automatically deleting anti-Communist China comments. I know it's real, or at least it was. So that was actually a fascinating story. We actually talked about it last week. I don't know if it's still around, but the working theory with it, and people are still trying to figure out what um, what happened with, with, with that. It is believed at this point that that was caused by a moderating AI within Google, and I could see it. That it deemed that, oh, hey, this is considered a slur to some people. Let's just automatically delete it. You won't be blocked. It will just be deleted automatically. Now, granted, you look at that story, and now this one, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, Google's looking awfully pro-China. I don't think that is the case. On the other hand, it does uh it it, it is a chi- it is a chin scratcher. And it is going to be something that uh you know how in those telltale games when you make a decision it says so and so will remember this? Well, Eagle will remember this which admittedly is not a very good threat because I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Now, here's the thing. Um, people are now arguing like, oh, hey, Google is pro-money. China has has money. It's a good argument. There's just one problem. Google is banned from China! <laughs> Like, YouTube is already banned in China. There's already a very strained relationship between Google and China. Maybe this is, in fact, behavior 
for Google to try and mend that all for that sweet, sweet Chinese money. It could be. I'm not going to throw out that theory. It is one that I'm going to keep in the back of my head. But it is kind of like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I can't think of a good analogy for this. Man, I really can't, actually. Actually, no, I can think of a couple analogies that would work. But, uh, they'll start getting political, and I don't want to get political, like, at all. It's my New Year's resolution that I'm making in the middle of the year. Be less political, even though I already am, like, very apolitical. Someone in chat did mention that uh, one of the block terms translates to the 50-cent army. The thing is, is that um, the term 50-cent army does also translate basically to being slang for being a shill. And that, and calling someone else a shill by an AI can, in fact, be derogatory and, in fact, would be, from an AI point of view, something that should be censored. See, that's kind of why, why I'm leaning more towards it being accidental. But again, I am not, like, blatantly saying, nah, Google's fine, you're all dumbasses. No, 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 no. I am going to keep it in the back of my head. But this isn't this is going to be a moment where I'm not going to like blatantly say you're terrible. It's going to be something that I that I'm going to say I'm watching. We're keeping an eye on you. Mr. Google. Another thing we're actually going to be keeping an eye on is this Project Sabrina. This is actually a very fascinating project. So what this is, what Project Sabrina is, is a drastic revision of the Google Chromecast 4K. So if you somehow don't know, a Google Chromecast is basically a small hockey puck that has USB in, which provides power and provides some minor control of the TV and an HDMI dongle out. You hook this little puck to a TV. I, in fact, do own a Chromecast. And you can basically sling just throw anything that's on your phone over to a TV with a Chromecast. It kind of makes your TV a smart TV, but not really. It's a very, very basic form of turning your TV into a smart TV. And it's basic because you do need to use a phone or a laptop or some other kind of device 
to do this. And realistically, when it comes to this kind of market, there's already a ton of different devices out there. There's the Chromecast, like I just mentioned. There were other iterations from Google that never really caught on. I believe they actually did have like a, a back when the Nexus brand was used, a Google Nexus that connected strictly to the TV, and it pretty much went nowhere. Roku, the Apple TV are both very, very popular ones. There is also the um, Fire TV that I actually got a lot of flack for offline from various users that I didn't mention in my uh, in my early bird briefing talking about um, the the Google Sabrina project. And in my defense, in my defense about the Amazon Fire TV. The Fire TV made a horrible first impression with me. My mother actually went and got a first-gen Fire TV and tried to set it up. And of course, because she has a son who is very, very tech-savvy, why learn how to set up yourself? When you can call me and say, hey... Mr. Tech Son, go help set up t- TV thing, yes? And so I did. And that thing sucked. I have never seen a finished product crash as much as the Fire TV did. Dropped inputs, just straight up crashes and has to force reset itself it was awful it was basically unusable and uh, and basically that setup ended up going with a return trip to best buy returning it leaving with a chromecast and then hooking up a chromecast and that was the end of it the end So the Fire TV has always been like, it has been dead to me ever since. And so when I was talking about like what other TV platforms out there, I can't tell you how many emails and direct messages I got saying, you forget the Fire TV. I live by the Fire TV and you didn't talk about it. Oh my God. It's because realistically, the last few revisions of the Fire TV have been all about trying to meet the promises they set in the first place. Because the first gen of the Fire TV was so bad. So bad. It made such a negative impression on so many that has just like dead to me. And this is actually a very important lesson when it comes to first impressions. Let's be honest. When was the last time you heard about a brand new earth-shattering feature on the Fire TV? I'm waiting. 
nothing. Huh? The only thing it really has going for it is, actually, as someone in the chat just mentioned, the fact that it gives you easy access to the Prime TV content. But otherwise, there's nothing earth-shattering about it. It does the same thing a Roku does, except having their own ecosystem built into it. I'd say it does the same thing as a um, as a Chromecast, but a Chromecast, by definition, actually does less. The Apple TV is, in fact, trying to blend all of its search results together and trying to secure its own movie streaming service and its own TV streaming service and trying to get live t- TV built into it. Like, Apple's trying its hardest to make innovation. The Amazon one really is just like, you can get Prime Video on it. The end. What was the original topic again? Oh yeah, Project Sabrina. So, as we were like kind of mentioning, the Chromecast is very, very basic. Google Sabrina, and granted, this is not the finished product name, this is just the internal code name, will, in fact, instead of running the very basic Chromecast operating system, it will run a brand new Android TV operating system. Huh. So the beauty of the Chromecast I found was, again, its simplicity. Just pull out your phone, get whatever you want to watch, hit a button, bam, it's on the TV. Whether it be from Twitch, YouTube, Netflix, your Plex server that you spent way too much time on dedicating an entire room to and need two exhaust fans just to exhaust all the heat from from your small little data center that you you built because you're an absolute madman. Not that I know anyone who does that. Totally not. For those listening to the audio audio version, I mean myself. Anyway, I'm going to be very curious to see where this goes. What possible innovation Google is going to try and bring to this? Because the TV is a space where major changes are coming. People have been speculating since COVID-19 hit that this could be the death of movie theaters. Because every single content creating platform is switching to having their own streaming platform. So these set-top boxes are going to be needed. We'll see how this goes. I don't think we're going to see... We're probably not going to see anything involving Project Sabrina until next year. 
You want to know why I can safely say that? Because everyone canceled their events this year! Oh, we'll probably hear more about this during Google I.O. Oh, wait! There isn't any Google I.O. this year. Right. How could I forget? We're going to take a break here when we come back. We have some console news as well as some very semi-sketch behavior out of AT&T. Modern leaders. It's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. During the break, someone in the chat said that AT&T doesn't do semi-sketch. They only go full sketch. Normally, I agree, but this one, I don't think rises to the degree of being full sketch. But it is pretty sketch. Your AT&T data cap will not be affected when you're streaming HBO Max content. So normally when you view any sort or use any sort of data on your mobile phone, almost all carriers have what's called a data cap. There's only a certain number of gigabytes of downloadable content you can use before you're either cut off or just charged extra for being for using the phone that you pay for. I mean, fortunately, almost all carriers have a un, have a unlimited plan, but that unlimited usually is like twenty five gigs or twenty six or twenty seven, and then you're throttled. Very drastically. And I, I should state that this is how it works here in the States. Wherever you are, that may differ drastically. Well, one streaming service out there is HBO Go. And also HBO Max. Well, if you're streaming content from HBO Max... And you have AT&T, it will not count towards your data limits. Why? Well, isn't it obvious? Because AT&T owns HBO.
Wait a second, that violates net neutrality. Yes, it does! Yeah, remember that whole net neutrality thing? And how a lot of people were saying it was going to be the end of the internet as we know it? And how I said it wouldn't really be that big a deal. It would just mean that certain companies would would do certain agreements that certain content just wouldn't count towards data caps. Wow! Look at how right I was. So, yeah, there you go. AT&T going to, going to go do the thing that we assumed a company like AT&T would totally do. Now, at the same time, I mean... It's kind of neat if you're an HBO user. If you're not, you're kind of looking at it go, hey, wait a minute. What about... But, but I consume all my content on Twitch. I, I, I don't get a free pass for that. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And it's clearly a move done to promote, hey, sign up for HBO. Welcome to AT&T 101. This is how AT&T behaves. Actually, that being said, didn't T-Mobile try to do something like this and sign a contract with Netflix to do something very, very similar? And then they were slapped down because net neutrality was still a thing at the time? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, honestly, real talk here, even though it is kind of fairly sketchy behavior. It's not the end of the world. It really isn't. It's just kind of a douchey move if you're someone who doesn't use HBO. Because now you're looking at people who do and go, uh... At the same time, if net neutrality was in effect, then no one would get free data. So I don't know. Interesting, but not like, let's go grab pitchforks and riot. Intel is no longer making giant 12-sided dice with processors in them. They are now just making the processors. The packaging for the 9900K, which included a the dodecahedron. Oh yeah, there it is, right in the title. A dodecahedron box that is stopping, and the new 10900K is in fact just being shipped in a regular package, and the 9900K is also being shipped in just a normal package. Honestly, it's just kind of a wah-wah, but I get it. I get it. Especially right now, with the logistics of shipping things right now being such a problem. I mean, you can't exactly ship a dodecahedron efficiently. There's always going to be wasted space when you're shipping a big 12-sided dice. 
Ah, uh, oh well. It is what it is. Wah, wah. Chat wonders if, imagine if that was the only reason you bought it. I mean, it is a cool, it is a cool box. I'm not going to lie. I would not be surprised at all. If people did buy the 900K, just to have the box as a collector's item. It would not surprise me in the least. I imagine that's the same reason why a bunch of people bought Threadrippers as well, because those also had a very unique package. At the same time, it was also a very unique processor. I mean, who wouldn't want a, pro- uh, a chip the size of your face? New PlayStation 4 games! are also being required to run on PlayStation 5 from July onwards. Sony is telling their developers. They're also strongly recommending that current games are updated to also run on the PlayStation 5. This mandate that Sony is telling their developers begins on July 13th. So that's actually a nice plus. That is some assurance that if you are going to go ahead and get a new game, that it will be required to also run on the next generation of consoles. This, however, is also going to make it so that uh, new PlayStation 4 console sales are going to go down. Because now there is no reason to get a PlayStation 4 if you're looking for new games. If you want older games, I mean, well, guess what? Wee! I guess that does guarantee that uh, the new, the... um. Oh, what 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 is it? Uh, oh yeah, F- Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy Seven Remake Part Two is pretty much then confirmed, without a doubt, to run on the PlayStation Five. Which, by the way, the PlayStation Five, according to Kit Guru, is going to be very fat. Kit Guru is body shaming. The PlayStation 5, based on reports. (laughs) Oh, it it amuses me greatly that the words very fat are just in a headline. Maybe I've just been working too hard that that would amuse me that greatly. But needless to say... The reports are saying that the PlayStation 5 will in fact be twice as thick as the PlayStation 4 Pro. And of course they have a mock-up that is basically just two PlayStation 4 Pros stacked on top of each other as their thing. I'm like looking over here at my PlayStation 4 Slim, which is the console I use to do my PlayStation 4-ing. And just, like, imagining three of these stacked on top of each other. And it's like, that would put it about as thick as, uh... As some of the workstations I've seen. Like, I could see that being real. 
I it might not even be all that thick. Though that that being said, this new AMD GPU it is going to pump out a ton of heat, isn't it? Holy cow. Actually, I'm now trying to imagine. I think it I think I actually would have to redo my streaming setup if I had a PlayStation 5 if it actually is that thick. Because it actually might stand tall enough that it might obstruct my view of one of my monitors very slightly. Hmm, that'd be obnoxious. I'm going to have to go back to not having all my consoles always on my desk. Oh, well. As the console wars escalate, more and more demos of how awesomer the consoles are going to be compared to whatever the heck you're running continue to push out. However, these demos are cheating. Specifically, the Scorn Xbox Series X demo, it turns out that the amazing demo that was breathtaking and amazing was run on a PC using an RTX 2080 Ti! Good job! Good job. I just tried to clap into the mic and I realized it like barely went through. What if I do it over here? That's a little better. Gotta say, this mic is very fascinating. But anyway, bravo. Bravo on just blatantly proving that no matter how hard you try, a PC will still, in fact, be more powerful than a console. Because all a console is, is a low to mid power PC in which the developers optimize as hard as they can for that hardware in particular. In other console news, this actually blows me away that this was actually a thought to enough people that this had to be said. The RDNA 2 GPUs Codename Big Navi out of AMD is going to release to the PC market before the next generation consoles using these GPUs will be out. No! Really? Now, unfortunately, we don't know when that's going to be coming out. It is being rumored that these GPUs will not, in fact, be the RX 5800 like we originally expected. It will, in fact, might be just called the RX 6000 series. We're expecting them between September and October. 
with the consoles launching in November. That is the current timeline. What blows me away more is the fact that people actually thought that that, that the consoles were going to release before the GPUs. No. No. No, they weren't. Come on. Let's let's get real for a second. We live in a world where consoles are basically PCs, so the PCs have to get it first before it's out on the consoles. What do you think this is? Some sort of lunatic world where consoles that are basically PCs outperform PCs and people sell water-cooled RAM? No, that's stupid. With that being said, Thermaltake has created an all-in-one liquid cooling loop that will water cool your CPU and your RAM. Who asked for this? Who are these people? Who out there actually asked for liquid-cooled RAM? I want to know who these people are. I want these people to actually state their reason as for why. Why we need liquid cooled RAM. You know what the best part is? Aside from it being completely unnecessary, this can't even be used on the super high-end systems that can justify liquid cooling. Because it's only going to cool one bank of RAM. Come on, Thermal Take. If you're going to go ahead and make this, you got to give me both blocks. Heck, if you're going to go this way, um, make the all-in-one cooler be able to cool both banks of RAM for my crazy overkill Threadripper system, and why not throw in a GPU block while we're at it? Like, I don't get it. Why, of all the things, water cooled the RAM? Even crazy overkill overclocked rigs don't need additional cooling on the RAM. The only application I can think of where the RAM actually can get hot is in crazy server 
server applications where you're using the RAM as an actual disk. And even then, it's just like, whatever. And oh, by the way, before you say, hey, what about the thing you just said? They have heat spreaders on the RAM and just let the air cool it. I'm just saying. This is a stupid product. It's just, it's just dumb. Chat says, what about overclocking RAM? Even overclocking the RAM doesn't even require a heat spreader. You can overclock RAM, but it's still not going to generate enough heat to even justify a metal heat spreader on it, let alone liquid cooling it. The only reason to liquid cool it is if you're freaking Linus from Linus Tech Tips and you just do it because you're Linus and just do stupid things like that. I think Linus actually did do a video about uh, liquid cooling RAM, and it was just like, yeah, this is dumb. We know it's dumb. Germany is going to require electric vehicle charging stations at every gas station. You knew it was coming. You knew it was only a matter of time before standardized... Electric vehicle charging stations were required at gas stations. It just turns out Germany was going to be the first one to do it. I'm actually kind of surprised here in the States how few charging stations are being at a lot of rather big uh, gas station chains. Like around here in Wisconsin, we have one we have one chain called uh, Quick Trip that tries to be like an everything stop all all in one. There's like a there's like a very small grocery store kind of section in it. There's like a little cafeteria where you can p- pick up pick up actually fairly decent food there, coffee, slushies. Uh, some of them even have showers, diesel fuel islands, all kinds of different fuel. But even they don't have electric charging stations. And that actually surprises me. But I guarantee you, you're going to see this more and more. And actually, it doesn't help at all that there's multiple different... Electric electric vehicle charging standards. And the fact that Tesla, which is right now by far the biggest manufacturer of electric cars, still has their own standard and they don't want to share it with anyone or allow anyone to even make the chargers for them. That is by far the biggest drawback of Tesla. 
they know how, they, they're doing a fairly good job of making these vehicles, but man, they want to be in charge of everything, including being able to charge them. Oh, hum. Shifting gears radically, Stanford Lab is saying that they are envisioning a world where delivery drones, they're not going to make the whole flight. Oh, no. Delivery drones are going to piggyback on other vehicles like buses to make the bulk of the journey and then the drones are going to fly the rest of the distance to the to the house that they're delivering to and then piggyback on a different bus on the way back and honestly when i first picked up this story i was like really but it actually does make a whole lot of sense I mean, what's the battery life of a drone? A couple hours? On a good day? So, boarding on this article says buses, but let's go a step further. What about on other delivery trucks? Like, right now, Amazon has... A bunch of, at least in my area, a bunch of Dodge Promaster vans that go ahead and make their deliveries. And also, while we're on the topic, I cannot believe how wrong I was about the Amazon delivery system. When Amazon said they were going to completely take UPS and FedEx out of the equation of delivering their packages, I laughed. I said, there's no way. For the most part, I was wrong. There are still some exceptions, but for the most part, they have successfully done it, at least here in the States. Granted, the original proposal was just for Amazon to own everything on it, But rather what they did is that they outsourced the deliveries to other companies, other smaller companies, to go ahead and do the delivery, to to go and do, do these deliveries. And right now, Amazon is also working with Rivian to develop electric vans to go ahead and do these deliveries instead of the gas and diesel powered ones they're using now. But I mean, when push comes to shove, you piggyback on a diesel bus. Let's say there's 10 drones on a bus. And these drones are going to weigh like a couple of pounds. We'll say three. Actually, how much does a drone weigh? Drone weighs like two pounds, right? The concept of delivering these drones... Of, of the delivery drones is going to be only holding like one or two pounds of cargo. Let's say five pounds. 
All right, I'd say that's a good overestimate. Let's say 10 drones rest and charge on a bus on their way to an area to deliver these packages. Diesel-powered bus? It's not going to work all that much harder to haul 50 more pounds. That is barely going to make a dent in what the bus can do. That might be a different story on, say, these transport vans. Oh, that's actually a good point. Someone in the chat points out that it's like, yeah, that's it not the weight that's going to matter. It's the additional aerodynamic drag. That, the, actually, you're right. That's going to be a bigger deal. I would think it's going to be... Uh, Yeah, you'd have to develop something custom to help prevent that. Actually, you know what I'm now imagining? I'm imagining that um that one of those Amazon vans drives out to an area and just like opens up its its back and just a swarm of these drones just like release and then the driver's just like fly my pretties fly <laughs> oh god the future is weird almost as weird as this concept Sega plans on releasing a game streaming platform using what they are calling Fog gaming. Unlike cloud gaming, fog gaming instead uses more local hardware to go create the data center and stream the games that way. And they're going to do it using arcades that are currently being sadly underused Due to the pandemic, I would say being underused because they are arcades, but arcades are actually really big in Japan, which is where they are currently being used. Now, someone in chat wants to know who pays for the electricity and the bandwidth, and that's a very good question. The answer is whoever the heck is coming up with this fever dream that, uh, Streaming arcade machines is a brilliant idea. I just... Let's not even get to that point. Let me just ask you, as the end user, do you like the idea of streaming an arcade machine to your computer instead of a data server? answer is no the whole appeal of an arcade machine is the fact that you use the controls of the arcade machine which are big heavy duty joysticks and buttons and frickin or the frickin built-in light guns or whatever unique controls that they have in the arca arcade machine that's the beauty of the arcade machine are the unique controls 
Why is an arcade DDR machine superior to playing DDR with one of those cheap flimsy mats you find at Best Buy? Because the controls on the machine are far superior and much better built. But you can get a DDR machine pad and whatnot. The other, you can do it at home. Not many are going to do it, though. I don't. I don't see this fog gaming concept going very far, like at all. I just don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I was wrong about Amazon dropping UPS. Maybe I'm wrong here too. This brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day, by far the weirdest story of the day. Researcher at Queensland University in Australia have developed a way to create nano to create carbon nanodots. Out of human hair. Yes, they can create OLED displays. This time using actual human hair for the organic component. Or in addition to other organic components. My god. This kind of technology, first off, just, I don't know how you talk about this without just chuckling. But man, you talk about the perfect timing to find out you can make OLED displays out of human hair, but man... There is a surplus of human hair right now, as we've all been locking ourselves in our homes, letting our hair grow out to extreme lengths, and now a large number of us are now finally able to go out and get a haircut. Let's be honest, though. Now that I've told you this, You're now looking at your phone that is most likely using an OLED screen in a very, very, very different way. And to all of you who are about to say you've ruined OLED screens forever, don't blame me. This is all Australia's fault. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. Please, I do encourage you to also check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast. On iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Google Podcasts. We are pretty much everywhere. And also check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, which is where, where we record this podcast every single Sunday. Take care, and hopefully I'll see you next time.
All right, so what mainstream haircut salon is everyone going to partner with? That's going to be the real question. And what's going to be the going rate for human hair? I mean, I, I know there was already a market for that, but... My God, the, this is getting too weird. I'm going to go think about literally anything else today. Just... Does this mean we have to give names to our OLED screens? I'm going to call mine Dave. Dave. 